Wasn't it great to share communion together on this Easter Friday? And thank you, Adrian, also for that great thought about Jesus paying the ultimate price to the last drop of his blood for our salvation. As we come to God's word now, let me just pray. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you'd speak to each and every one of us, that we would hear a word from heaven. And Lord, even through the message, we'll have a, a moment, an encounter with you that will strengthen us and encourage us, Lord, in our lives moving forward. We ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Many of you know the story of the beauty and the beast. The prince was handsome, but the curse changed it all. He then lived hidden away in a castle until the beauty arrived. And it was her love for him that caused the transformation and he became a handsome prince. What would have happened if the beauty had never appeared? If she hadn't loved him and he wasn't really very lovable? Max Ricardo says there's a beast within all of us. Now that may surprise you, but let's go back to the beginning. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God and oh, so, so beautiful. It was amazing. But then Adam and Eve sinned and a terrible darkness, a beast, if you like, entered into the heart of man. And we see the catastrophic consequences of this in the devastation that we see throughout the world today. And we all do things that we know we shouldn't do. And we wonder why do we do them? Well, Jeremiah 17, 9 it's not a good verse that you'll like, but it's true. The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now stay with me because there's a fantastic solution to everything I'm talking about. When we're driving, our dark side can show up. I know that it's true for me. Heard the story of this preacher. He's driving down a two-lane road, but it's suddenly, suddenly become kind of a single lane. So there's this lady in a car beside her, and that her lane is going to continue. The preacher's lane is going to stop. So he needed to get ahead of her, so he floored it. Well, she did the same. He was really annoyed at this, so he let her go ahead. But over her shoulder, she gave him a sweet wave that made him mad, really mad. So what did he do? He put the high beam into her rear view mirror. This is a preacher, all right? <laughs> her response was driving to slow down to a crawl of 20 kilometers per hour. They finally got to a red light. They were beside one another. There was an exchange from her that I can't mention uh, publicly today. But the preacher thought to himself, why did I do that? Usually I'm a calm person, controlled person, but for 15 minutes, the beast in me showed itself. But he said he was comforted by two things. One, he didn't have a Christian fish-like symbol on the back of his car, which was great. And secondly, that Paul had similar struggles. Romans 7:15. What I am doing, I do not understand. But what I will do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. And all through the Bible, we see God's choice servants struggling to contain the beast within them. There's Cain killing Abel, Abraham lying, Jacob deceiving, there's David and Bathsheba, Peter denying the Lord three times, and of course, Judas. If the Bible is called a good book, it's not because the people in it were all good by any means. Easter is about Jesus dying on a cross, rising again on the third day to save us and to transform the beast in you and me and make us into a beauty. And only the resurrection power of God can change and transform form messed up, broken, 
traumatized, sinful lives. Ephesians 1.19 talks about the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand of God. With Easter and the resurrection comes the incredible power of God to change and transform lives. And this, of course, is my own story. Like all of us, I was made in the image of God, a beautiful creation. But through the fall, I also became a beast in areas of my life. To give you a bit of background, I was born in Auckland, the youngest of six. We lived in the center of the town in, a, in Simon Street in a fruit shop. There was only three bedrooms in that place. And so four boys, we had to share the same room for about 10 years. So please stop complaining if you have to share a room with some others. One of the real challenges in my upbringing was that my dad was an alcoholic for a period of time. And it became very, very embarrassing at certain functions. Humiliating. My mum and dad would have huge fights and there'd be plates flying around and crashing. To this day, I can remember burying my head under the pillow, terrified, hoping that I wouldn't be able to hear the noise and what was going on. I dreaded my father coming home after he'd been out drinking. One of the results of that, and those of you who have been in alcoholic homes will know this, uh, it really did damage my emotions and increase the fear in my heart. Add to that, I had some few challenges growing up. I was overweight and I was teased a lot about that. And that was very, very painful. I remember once being humiliated in front of the entire class when I was about 12 years old um, because of the fact that I was overweight. You can only imagine how that felt at that time. My school friends, when I got to Auckland Grammar School, were not a great influence, and that's not their fault. It's my fault as well. I wasn't a great influence on them, but my life was starting to go downhill. And I did myself a lot of damage during my teenage years. Thankfully, in the fifth form in university, the hound of heaven, which is Jesus, started to pursue me. I ended up with some better friends around me, uh, in the fifth form at university, and one of them was a Christian. During this time at university, I really enjoyed my university time, played hockey, uh, had a great social life. <laughs> Some of you know I rode a Norton Dominator 600cc motorbike. If the truth be known, it was probably a little bit bigger than me, certainly weighed more than me, and the hardest thing for me was at lights when I had to balance this big machine and at times it was embarrassing. I did uh, fall over a couple of times, but uh, anyway, I managed to survive just to, to tell the story. It was around about 1973 when I was finishing my university degrees that I felt this emptiness inside of me. Even though life was really good on the outside, something just didn't add up. And the thing I couldn't work out was this. So here am I, not a Christian. I was born, go to school, maybe university, get married, have kids, have a job, 
make money, and eventually die. Something deep inside of me said, that cannot be right. There's got to be more to life than that kind of an existence. And so a search began in my heart and I started looking for answers. I should have been at a time when I was more happy than ever. I just about finished two degrees. I thought I was going to make a lot of money as a corporate lawyer. But somehow that didn't satisfy me. I still had this void, this emptiness within my heart. So I began to search for answers because of this great emptiness, this void inside of me, even though life on the outside was reasonably good. One of the first things I did was look at other religions. There's Christian science. There's a Hare Krishna. And I began to ask them some questions. I wanted convincing answers. I wanted it to make sense. But even as an unbeliever, when they gave me their answer, I thought, that just is not right. And so I just continued to look in, in other places for this. And uh, at university, I guess God really began to corner me. I ended up in accounting three, sitting next to a Christian. But then there was also in law school, I did a law and accountancy degree, a, a, a young man that had been radically saved. He was on fire, carried this big Bible with him to law school. And he began to um, witness to me and share Christ with me unashamed. And, you know, sometimes I'd want him to keep his volume down, but he was so passionate sharing with me. It probably took six to 12 months before I was persuaded that Christianity was probably the answer I was looking for. And so I gave my life to Jesus. Once I did, I just knew. I knew that I knew that I had found the truth. And this was what I had been looking for over the search that had taken place over the last few years. And I made a decision right back then, within a short time of being saved, that the smartest, the wisest, the best thing I could do with the rest of my life is to pursue this newfound faith with all the strength and energy that God would give me. My parents were Hindus, so they had idols in their homes. I come from a long line of Hindus, generations, maybe hundreds and hundreds of years. And God broke that chain with me and so I'm the start of a whole new generation, a whole new line of passionate followers of Jesus Christ. My parents were not at all happy with my conversion. So I ended up the black sheep in the home, as it were, and I was on the outer. So it did cost me, and sometimes it does cost when you give your life to Jesus Christ. I had no idea, not in my wildest dreams, that I'd end, ever end up as a pastor of a church and doing what I do today. I was fortunate enough to be saved in the charis what was known as a charismatic renewal because it was a time when hippies and druggies and no hopers were radically saved and their lives were set free and they were transformed. Many went on to serve God with real passion and some became pastors and missionaries and all those kinds of things. And I saw the power of the cross to change lives. Once I was saved, my two degrees really didn't mean a whole lot to me. Money didn't mean a whole lot to me either. I was chasing a dream of living a life sold out to God. I remember we're going to Bible college just to prepare myself for what God might have for my future. I had this Ford Escort, a blue, blue colored Ford Escort. And we were singing a song we'd been singing in Bible college about let the, uh, let the fire from heaven fall. Well, I had to stop my car because I wanted to talk to a, a someone in the car behind me, another student. 
So I parked at the side of the road, and as I was talking to this other person, a drunk driver hit the back of my car, hit the petrol tank, and the car went up in flames. There were three of us in the car, and we dived out the windows of the car and fortunately came out with some minor bruises and scratches. The car was actually a write-off. So the fire, we'd been singing Let the Fire from Heaven Fall. The fire certainly did fall. And uh, sometimes I think to myself, maybe that was the, the, the birth early on there of my media ministry, which is now called Running With Fire. It's an event I will never forget. And I'm just thankful to God that we came out pretty much unscathed. What may really surprise you, and I know some people, you might laugh at this, but my biggest challenge after, after being saved was that I no longer had a girl on my arm. Now, I was accustomed to that, and that kind of kept me going, kept, kept life interesting and fun. And for, now for five long years, I was just so lonely. And I really thought to myself, it may not make sense to you today, but I thought to myself, gosh, maybe I'm called to be single for the rest of my life. And that, I guess, quite honestly, terrified me. But one of the things that happened, and God uses different things to get us, doesn't he? It brought me over those five years to a deeper and deeper and deeper surrender to God. And I think those five years established a foundation in my life that is a huge asset to me today because I believe surrender is the great gateway to God and it's the best thing you can ever do with your life. So what an unbelievable journey it has been for me. Scripture I want to share with you is John 10 verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal, kill and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Those are the words of Jesus. For 20 years, seriously, 20 years, the thief had stolen from my life. Damaged my mind, my emotions, filled me with fear. A lot of rejection, loss of confidence, and a broken self-esteem. The good news is since being saved, slowly but surely, God has been transforming my life. There is now less fear. There's more peace. Self-esteem has increased. It's not there yet. Confidence is growing. Many emotions not all have been healed. There's no question that the beast was becoming a beauty. I'm not saying I'm a beauty yet, but hey, if you knew what I was like before and you know what I'm like now, it is the power of Easter, the death and resurrection of Jesus that's got me to where I am today. And God's helped me through many challenges. It's another thing through hurts and pains and disappointments that we still face as Christians. They don't disappear. But maybe one of the most wonderful areas for me that God has done is I have a deep sense of knowing what life on earth is all about. A profound awareness of God's purpose for my life, why I have breath to breathe each and every day. I cannot tell you how much that means to me. I don't wake up in the morning without purpose, without meaning, 
without understanding, I wake in the morning knowing that I've got a job to do in serving Jesus and fulfilling his plan and his purpose for my life. We live in a day in an age where people are without purpose, people without meaning in life. They don't understand it. And so they, they waste their lives in so many different ways or they chase dreams that ultimately don't satisfy or fulfill them. I'm telling you, when you get to know Jesus and surrender your life to him, there comes a growing fulfillment and satisfaction within the heart that no money, no success, no position, nothing in life can ever give you. It only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And for that, I'm so thankful. Beyond that, best of all, I get to go to heaven when I die. And that is the greatest gift that any person on this planet could ever receive. This is amazing grace. I remember recently we had a water baptism service in our church, which was just wonderful. And the highlight was this young man. He got up and testified of how God had transformed his life. And he's weeping. I don't know what his history was, but obviously the beast had really taken a hold, but he'd met Jesus and now he's weeping uh, as, as he talks about his transformed and changed life. This is the message of Easter. God's power to change our lives. And people stood without being asked and were clapping and cheering, not so much at him, but at the power of God to change a life. If you don't hear anything else of what I'm saying to you today, understand this, that God has power to transform and change your life. I don't care how bad it has been, God is equal to the challenge. In a crisis like what we're facing today with self-isolation and, and um, lockdown and all the rest of it, this is where my faith in Jesus really does kick in. I don't have a fear. I can face what's happening with, with a confidence because I know that I know that ultimately God is in control of everything. And I don't know how I would cope if I wasn't saved. I'd feel that everything was out of control. You know, one of the other things, I just want to throw this in, is that the resurrection power of God is also released, releases healing for us. And I had this fantastic testimony come from one of our campuses where this life group had been praying for a lady who had ovarian cancer for three years. She had 20 tumors in her body. And this year they continued uh, growing in her body, but the group kept praying and they kept believing. She wasn't having any chemo treatment. She went for a, a regular checkup with a specialist and x-rays and to their shock, there was no sign of cancer. Every tumor had disappeared. The resurrection power of God can heal your body. God has a miracle for you. So there is a real life beauty that can transform any life and make it beautiful. And that beauty is Jesus. You know what? He can see the beauty that's in you. Yes, the image of God has been damaged in your life, but God can restore it. In the fable, the beauty kisses the beast and becomes handsome. But Jesus does much more than that. He becomes the beast. So that the beast, which is you, can become the beauty. Jesus changes place with you and with me. And the beast within us is slowly transformed into something and someone beautiful. Jesus died to transform the beast into a beauty. 
And Jesus sees beyond the beast in us. Other people look at us. They don't see what Jesus sees. Jesus sees the beauty. The world looks at you. They see your face. They see your clothes, your job, your house, the car you drive, and they sum you up. They assess you on that basis. Jesus doesn't do it like that way at all. He sees beyond all the externals. They don't bother him. He sees the beauty in you. And then as you give your life to Jesus, he goes about bringing forth that beauty. And his chief means of doing this is love. He loves you so much. John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down one's life for his friends. What Jesus did at Easter, he laid down his life for you, whether you know him or not. And that is the greatest love anyone can ever demonstrate towards you. Jesus loves you more than anybody on the planet ever can or ever will. He died to save you and transform you. And what's better than that is his love is unconditional. It doesn't matter. It's not based on your behavior. I just want to give you a Bible example of what I call of a beast that's transformed into the beauty. And this is a story of Rahab. Rahab had a terrible, terrible past. In fact, she was a prostitute. Joshua 2 verses 1 to 3, we read this. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab, there she is, and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. As I said, Rahab was a prostitute, and she protected these two spies. And as a result of that, her family was saved. She was a bad girl. Yet incredibly, we find her name, would you believe, in the family tree of Jesus. What? Really? Yeah, really. And if that's not enough, she's listed among the heroes of faith in the book of Hebrews. Would you believe that? That's the power of God I'm talking about to turn a life around from prostitute to ancestry of Christ. It doesn't get much greater transformation than that. See, I want you to note this. Your life is more about your future than your past. The enemy keeps talking to you about your past, your past, your past, and you go down, down, down. Jesus, he continually talks about your future, your future, your future. See, your life is more about your future than it is about your past. See, it's not what's behind you, but what is ahead of you that matters. Now, some of you have had bad pasts and you've suffered from the terrible actions of others. And I know that and I understand that. Don't let them mess up the future that God has got for you. In fact, your past may be worse than just about anyone else you know. I'm here to say to you, your future can be better than most people that you know. You can go from a disastrous past to a fantastic future. Because, listen, write this down. God is more powerful than your history. God is more powerful than your past. And that is story of Rahab. And we all have, don't we, some regrets about our past? I sure do. Wow, I really do. But 
It's, it's amazing. God is not scared of anyone's past. It doesn't bother him. You just look at the heroes in the Bible. He doesn't pretend that it didn't happen. Jesus, now we're talking about God here. He can handle a prostitute turning up in his family tree. Wow, this is pretty hard to put your head around, isn't it? But it's the absolute truth. This is the amazing, incredible love of God. Doesn't matter your background, your history, doesn't matter what you have done. Jesus loves you and your future can be far, far greater than your past. The beast can be totally transformed into a beauty. In fact, as I looked it up, the first person that Jesus appeared to after the resurrection was Mary Magdalene. Now, who was she? Well, she's someone, I don't know what kind of life she lived, but she had seven demons <laughs> cast out of her. Now, if you have to have demons cast out of you, that tells me that your background was not too good. You got into stuff that you should not have got into. And yet Jesus appears to her first, almost ahead of anyone else. It's almost as if heaven is shouting and yelling at us. <laughs> Don't let your past disqualify you. Because God's more interested in your future than in your past. Jesus died on a cross to deal with every kind of past. From the mass murderer, yeah, to the drug dealer, yeah, to the best behaved person on the planet. And why I put that in there is because Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. That's you. That's me. That's every person on the planet. The best living to the worst living all need the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We're all included in that need. And Jesus died for all of us. There would have been people in Jericho who looked at Rahab and looked down on her. Would have thought, wow, what a terrible person. What a bad living person. They would have despised her, rejected her, probably crossed, her, crossed over to the other side of the street when they saw her. That's what people saw. Maybe that's what people have seen in your life when they look at you and you feel, well, I'm not much. Maybe people around you, family members despise you. That's how people saw Rahab. But when God looked down, guess what? He saw a hero of faith. He saw a Bible champion. He saw someone with an incredible future. Hebrews 11.31 it is, it says, By faith, the prostitute Rahab. Isn't it interesting? Scripture is so honest. <laughs> it talks about faith and prostitute in the same sentence. Hero of faith and prostitute in the same sentence. God doesn't hide anything. He doesn't cover it up because the power of God is enough to make good out of any bad. She had a past, but that didn't cancel out the amazing future that God had for her. And I want you to know this Easter that God has a great future for you. What you need to do is what I did. Give your life to Jesus. Keep surrendering to him and he will transform the beast into you into a truly wonderful beauty that will absolutely amaze you. He has a wonderful future.
and a great plan for your life. Your past does not sabotage it. Your past does not rob you of it. It's still yours for the taking. But you have to grab a hold of it. You have to go up. It's not going to fall out of the sky. There's some things you do have to do. That's what I've been sharing today. It's what I had to do. Look, I can't imagine, seriously, what my life would be today if I'd not found Jesus. I don't know. It would be an absolute mess. I know. It would be a total shambles. I can never thank God enough for saving me from a, a, a very bad life and a very poor future. Many years ago, God saw this drunken sailor. Terrible man. Terrible, terrible man. Filthy, swearing, a lot of injustice that he caused on others, impure of soul, depraved. People looked at him and that's what they saw. But Jesus looked at him and he saved him. This man was John Newton. John Newton, some of you will know him. Preacher, became a hymn writer and a theologian. Wow. See, God saw the preacher in the drunken sailor, in the beast. No one else could see that. No one. No one could see in me what Jesus could see. No one could bring out in me what only Jesus could bring out. I will be grateful to the end of time forever and ever. See, it takes love to see. It takes love to see. See beyond the outside. And Jesus loves you and he sees in you more than anyone else ever can or ever will. He sees the incredible beauty and he will bring it forth if you will only let him. You may feel your life is dead and buried, but my message to you this Easter is that God has a resurrection in store for you, a fantastic future for your life. And that, my friends, is our Easter Friday message. Amen. Before I go any further, I want to speak to those of you who do not know Jesus. You've never given your life to him. You've never asked him to come into your heart. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want you to know I'm not talking about becoming religious. I'm not talking about just attending church or obeying a whole set of rules. I'm talking about a personal relationship with God himself through the person of Jesus Christ. Yes, you can have a relationship with him whereby you know his presence, you hear his voice, he helps you through the battles and the struggles in life just like another person would, but he has all power to do that for you. But not only that, if you receive him into your heart, he will begin the work of transforming your life into something more wonderful than you could ever imagine. If you need breakthroughs in your life, he's the God of the breakthrough. You're not listening, watching by chance today. It is a divine appointment. 
God's love is reaching out to you personally and individually. You're not just one of the billions of people on the planet. No, he knows you by name and he's interested in you and he wants a relationship with you. But also he wants to make sure when you pass from this life, you will go to heaven to be forever with God. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, whoever, this is open to anyone, will not perish. That means you go to the wrong place called hell, but will have everlasting life. means you live with Jesus forever in heaven. If you would like to receive Jesus into your heart, or you know you need to get right with God, this is a great day to do it. Why don't you pray this very simple prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you died upon the cross just for me. I confess my sins and I ask you to forgive me. And now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please right now press the button on the screen. And also you can contact us at infochurchunlimited.co. We would love to hear from you and also to help you. I want us to sing a song right now. It's called This Is A Move. And the reason we sing and why I want you to stand and join in with us is because at this moment is when God can really impact your life. You've heard a lot. You've heard my story. You've heard about Rahab and all these different things. But what I want you to zone in is what was God saying to you? What was in that, in that message that was specifically and uniquely for you? So why don't we stand together, please, right now, and let's sing This Is A Move. Thank you, team. <laughs> 